This episode of Future Construct is supported by Applied Software. We would like to thank them so much for supporting us. Uh, Applied Software is really on a mission to transform industries. They empower their clients and champion innovation with real world expert consultants. So to reach them, you go to asti.com, that's A-S-T-I.com, and please tell them that we at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Future Construct. My name is Amy Peck, and I am your host. And today we have an amazing guest, Elizabeth Barron, who is at Unity Technologies. Uh, which is really the game engine that powers uh, pretty much all immersive experiences and games as well. And uh, so welcome, Elizabeth. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. It's so great to be here. How are you, Amy? I am good. I'm, you know, this sort of Groundhog Day, <laughs> <laughs> day in and day out. But uh, yeah, but otherwise, otherwise, I think I think I've got this all down now, my whole working from home scenario. How about you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, I'm always going to be working from home, so it'll be this way forever. But I do miss the travel. That's yeah. that's the difference. Yeah. It's like actual face-to-face -face meetings on occasion is, you know, I'm just missing that. I know, I know. I think the last time we saw each other live might have might have been in Madrid, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was too it's long ago. Too long. All right, we're gonna have to, <laughs> we have to fix that. Hopefully, hopefully, 2021. So. You have, we have so much to cover. We you have such great experience, um, but let's let's actually start with where you are today at Unity. Um, but I definitely want to talk about your your former role as well. So why don't you talk a little bit about uh, you know how you came to Unity? Yeah, sure. So it, it's uh, so I started my career way back in the day as a programmer for a CAD tool at Ford Motor Company. And, uh, and so I worked at Ford for just over 30 years and I never worked on a car or a truck. <laughs> so my whole career at Ford was in uh, technology and visualization. So writing CAD code and migrating toward virtual reality. So um, back in, I think it was in 2004, um, I went to a committee and actually became Ford's first virtual reality technical specialist. And uh, I started working on the tech in 99. So I like way back, right? This is- That's OG, like, that's true VR OG. <laughs> true, yeah, exactly. It's like a long and deep roots. And, and it's funny because the first implementation of VR uh, used magnetic motion tracking which was problematic because cars have a fair amount of metal in them. <laughs> so we actually created this uh, virtual or th this physical vehicle, like this property. So you could get in and like hold the steering wheel and have gas and brake, but it was all made out of oak and mahogany. It was so awesome. <laughs> but uh, the, the goal for me was really about uh, what this tech could do, um, how, unique it was as a communication tool and how to bring that into a very large, extremely diverse in thought and in um, personality and in um, function as Ford Motor Company. So that was like a very large organization with a lot of uh, personalities, a lot of opinions and a lot of ways of working. So trying to get 
learn what people are doing, where I could help, what the technology could do and why um, is how I spent most of my career. And so by the end, uh, when I left, the immersive realities are part of product development. Even in times of COVID, it's considered um, essential tech and it's been used uh, throughout, even with the headset. And they're really doing great with using it um, as a communication paradigm for cross-functional communication. And yeah, so that's my career at Ford. And then I moved over to Unity and I'm like super excited to be there because uh, one thing my experience at Ford taught me is the value of um, platform and pipeline to put together a way to visually communicate and then smartly communicate. And so Unity's um, any platform, any cloud, any user, strategy is like ideal to bring cross-functional communication and visual communication and smart communication that uses, uh, you know, predictive analytics to give you the right information you need when you need it. It's, it was just a match made in heaven for me. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I think that you know, the general perception is game engines. Yes. You know, maybe use it for, training and you know because you have these branching narratives and there's a lot of similarity between games and training but what people forget is that you know game engines and game developers in particular are really really strong with analytics like that's that's why they're pushing updates they're looking at how the user is experiencing anything within the environment and then they're updating. So let's, you know, let's dig in a little bit more on that because I think that's an important piece for, for people to understand is really what are some of the, 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 the ways that, you know, game engines are valuable within, you know, which is sort of endless, but within the enterprise construct. Yeah. It's interesting because um, if you just look purely at game technology, like you said, well, maybe, maybe not, but then um, if, I, I would think about the gamification of uh, discovery and of engineering and of design and and how how important is storytelling now because it it's storytelling is this huge initiative in every uh, client because they want to tell the story of a product's development they want to tell the story of how somebody will use a product and interact with it. They want to understand um, spatially, visually, immersively, how they're relating to their data. And so Unity is like this, it's this natural platform that allows companies to realize that, um, that personal connection with the thing that they're developing, designing and engineering. And, and that's new because uh, the the flat screen review, like rolling tumbling a model on a screen and kind of looking at some CAD data and doing some measurements, is kind of going from Excel to a vol- you know a, a flat screen review two and a half D three D, but then to get real time three D and actually be able to come together, interact with it, and then be able to pass along your learnings to somebody else and create uh, stories that you can share and you can share them on any device. So an engineer can get immersed in something and maybe uh, create an app that they send to an executive who views it on a tablet or 
gets immersed in it with their phone in a, you know, through cardboard type or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's really great to see the democratization of that type of learning and discovery in product development and manufacturing. So yeah, it goes way beyond uh, like immersive training scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting too, because that, that seems to be how Unity kind of found its lane early on was that kind of interoperability and you sort of build it once and you're able to push to kind of all these different, um, you know, factions now and including headset, right? So WebXR, headset, mobile, you know, whatever it is. So um, I think that's been a, a very important piece of their evolution. I would like to thank the team at Applied Software for supporting this episode of the Future Construct podcast. With solutions for really any modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering their clients and being the champions of innovation with real-world expert consultants. They have a comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing with a singular focus helping you achieve higher performance. So with software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered for all of your workflow needs. And BIM Designs is proud to be a client and partner of Applied Software. So you can reach them at asti.com, it's asti.com, and please let them know that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. So, you know, given your experience, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's always a challenge for large companies to really innovate at scale, right? And there's, there's often these little factions here and there kind of, you know, ferreting away in their individual silos. So how can companies today really start to leverage technology and, and sort of change the way that they're thinking about doing things? It, well, it's interesting because um, most of the adoption that I've seen has come um, it, like born out of necessity. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. I, I think we're in one of these times right now where, you know, this, the Zoom paradigm is the normal. And in my home office here, I have a VR setup and um, headsets are being sent to engineers and designers all around companies to use in their home during these times. And now there's a need for collaboration and sharing and, and actually doing what you would have done if you went to the office every day, but being distributed and, but coming together, like being there here. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and so I, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, you ask what companies can do and I think um, what they can do is um, assess the technology, respect the culture, and then lead by example. So, I mean, that's like the bare, you know, like the simplest way I could say it. And it's way easier said than done. Um, because I think the cultural aspects of how people interact in any one company um, is a huge um, motivator or disincentive, just depending on um, how people are um, understanding each other. Because um, one of the things about technology is it can point out flaws that people aren't ready to 
uh, deal with yet. <laughs> so what do you do <laughs> if you go to this meeting and like you're responsible for the parts on uh, uh, like the rocker underneath the vehicle and it's okay in the front end and you're having a front end review, but some executive comes in and goes to the back end and it doesn't quite fit. And now like, <laughs> like this technology is terrible because now I'm, I'm not ready to talk about that. We were supposed to talk about this. So it exposes the chinks in the armor of the state of the product. And so um, the other part of adoption is ex executive um, sponsorship and um, a willingness to understand and um, like kind of figure out culturally like, okay, we're going, we're working on this, we found this, but I'm not going to beat that person up because <laughs> this thing doesn't fit over here. And, and I think that's, that's part of it too, is it's, um, there's this cultural aspect that, and then there's this leadership aspect where these uh, senior leaders have, um, a, a, in general, really embraced the tech. And um, when it percolates down and then bubbles up, I think there, there's a lot of goodness in that. Yeah, it's a, and I think that's really interesting because it is, you know, often sort of, um, you know, top down and bottom up, right? So, you, so you, you know, there's always kind of one person who lives in R&D or IT who's like the champion, um, but it's really up to leadership to be open to that level of change. I mean, I think one of the first things that we insist upon is we try and get as many, uh, you know, executives, um, C-level executives in headsets, actually, when we're looking at these kinds of, of projects. Um, so, you know, in looking where we are today and, you know, it, as everyone is saying, of course, everything has changed, but you know, I think this is a very big opportunity to, you know, I think, I think companies are, you know, very focused on how do we do what we're doing today better and faster, right? Mm -hmm. But are there completely different ways of doing things that, you know, are being sort of forced now? We're sort of having to, to kind of go down different roads, which isn't normally the way companies like to innovate, right? but maybe it's the best thing. Right, for, right. For, yeah. for you know, these innovation hubs. Exactly. And what's, what's interesting about tech is uh, one of the things I learned, which I, I learned by doing, and it wasn't an insight I had by, you know, kind of thinking through things, is that uh, the latest tech isn't necessarily the best thing for um, a company at that time. And what is the best thing is a stable system. And I think um, there's all this um, like FOMO type attitude. I'm, I'm missing out on this new tech and I, I need to run to it. And someone would come to me and say, well, there's this new device, the 2.0 version. Why are you still using the 1.0 version? And oh, you're, oh, you're so yesterday, Elizabeth. <laughs> but that may be true, but there, there's goodness in stability. And uh, stability is really important to provide um, a known way of working. And I think it's a, it's a huge balance in, in um, creating, even like in these home environments, like how do you create a stable system that one person can interact with another 
and have a, a really great smart um, discovery session um, with the best tech that's the, the um, most robust. And I think that's another thing that um, the, that it's just, it's not really considered um, for all of its merits. And an example would be all the, the tech that's uh, still in use at Ford in the, the five lab. It's somewhat yester tech with, um, you know, some of the mocap, but it's still real-time ray tracing in 4K and it's still got like a, a lot of goodness and a lot of stability and it just, it just works and works. And I think that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, I think, I think that is a, as, as you know, I think everyone's been challenged with Wi-Fi dropping out and um, I, I, I just did a talk where I had the slide where, you know, we, we've kind of gone from, you know, can you hear me now to you're on mute. <laughs> like that's, that's like the saying, like we're all, like our lips are moving and nothing's coming out. So yeah, I think that's right. It's like, let's, let's make sure that the tech actually that we have actually works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny. I was actually in a meeting, a Zoom meeting the other day and I look at this guy and just start laughing and his shirt says, you're on mute. <laughs> like, oh gosh. Like I'm, I'm completely going to steal that now. <laughs> yeah, that's my new my new motto. And actually, I kind of wish I had that mute function when my children were young. And and yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that would have been that would have been useful. Um, but you know, there is something really nice to on on a personal level. Um, and I, you know, I'd like to hear your journey of this. You know, working from home and also just kind of getting some of our lives back and, and how that you see that impacting the workforce moving forward. Yeah, I, it's interesting because um, I think we'll reach a really ideal point because I think before um, COVID hit, if you ask people, would you want to work from home? Lots of people would say, oh, that sounds great because I won't have to go in and I won't have to travel. And now people are thinking, well, it's good for the most part, but I really miss my colleagues and I wish I could do this or that. And so I think a lot of companies are reinventing what it means to communicate and what it means to work in teams. And that's one of the exciting things about Unity because it's really a really good platform for uh, multi-dimensional communications. Uh, but, but these new ways of working might be that you come into the office after you reserve a desk for yourself and you don't have your desk with your pictures of your kids hanging out in your own space with all your own stuff, but you just go in and meet with some people and go away and come back the next day or do whatever. And uh, the, the virtual part of it is really exciting because, um, you know, we have these uh, ways of collaborating like we are right now, but there's also a, a fair amount of immersive tech that we can now take advantage of and still get discovery from. And then as, as uh, the technology moves on and as we get to, you know, more instances of edge computing and we start looking at how 5G is coming everywhere, it's, it's going to be really great. And I think we'll find a way to personally connect and then virtually connect as well and, and find a really good working relationship between those models. 
Yeah, so that that's also really interesting to um, this, the the headsets too are sort of enabling us to, you know, they're, they're getting lighter, they're getting smaller. Um, you know, Amazon's just releasing now their, you know, Alexa frames, right? So voice controlled with spatial audio. Uh, and then we're going to have Facebook and Apple in the next couple of years kind of coming out with their AR glasses. How do you see some of that technology kind of moving in in terms of just communi- you know, communication? Because you bring up a really good point. That's that's what we need to find a way to replicate is that being together and those water cooler moments that we don't get now and we can't really recreate on Zoom. Right, right. Um, I see um, it, it's interesting because a lot of AR, MR type um, initiatives that are going on. I think they, we still need an obviously, obviously an element of the physical world. So I see them actually less um, helpful in a lot of ways in a home office situation and much more helpful in uh, an, an area where there are prototypes or, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking purely about product development and not marketing because marketing Mm -hmm. hugely uh beneficial everywhere (laughs) but for when you're making uh something and you're producing you know a vehicle or a tractor or aircraft uh the ar tech together with a physical model or some part of it is just fantastic and that that type of workflow where you can just grab like something that's as light and airy as my glasses and then see a change on a property is that's just fantastic or put on uh, simple glasses and look at all of the manufacturing variation that you could possibly produce and then understand what's good and bad by physically looking at a vehicle and then looking at how it can change. Like that, I think all of these light and specific uh, ways of interacting in an immersive space are just going to explode as the wearable becomes uh, not only lighter and easier to, you know, just basically get in the world and get your data, but also as um, we're using technologies where we're rendering in the cloud, putting it on device, on-prem, in a secure location, in a facility that has amazing visual quality. So, you know, high dynamic range imagery, imagery on your device. But for yeah, home, it, I still think uh, immersive is uh, the primary way that we can you know, um, just continue to collaborate and share. Because especially if you're designing product, the product is the star of the show. That's the thing you're focusing on. You don't necessarily need, um, I don't need a avatar Elizabeth or an avatar Amy to talk to when I'm looking at like the interior of a um, cabin configuration for an aircraft. Like we, we just need to be in that uh, system and understand where it is and, you know, whatever we're studying. And that's what we're focusing on, not necessarily, you know, us 
seeing each other. So the immersive space and the virtual space is really fantastic for that. Yeah, and you said something that, that I think is a, a really great point too, which is that, you know, it can be just a lightweight use case. Like we don't have to invent these complicated ways to leverage the technology, right? You put them on, you're, you need to see overlays or 20 different variations of the car or the space or whatever it happens to be. And then, and then you kind of go about your day. Do you, do you think though that, uh, you know, those who maybe now have a little bit of reticence going into, let's say a full headset, that perhaps wearables are going to be that good first step to just to get people to understand like what it is to have these kind of digital overlays? Uh, or do you think they're just, they're so different and, and it's like one isn't necessarily going to impact the other? Um, well, I think it, I guess I think it's both. <laughs> if I can, if I can muddy the water that way, because I think that um, in some cases the 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 technology is so distinct that there's a lot of crossover. But the other hand, it is a continuum and a spectrum of uh, use, and uh, and so there are uh, ways in which using uh, AR and being come being familiar with how it works and what you get out of it will give somebody a comfort level to go into VR or vice versa. So that there's, there's more of a, um, you know, just a ease of entry into other forms of similar technology. Um, and, you know, it's, it, I can't express enough how important all of these individual use cases are to build up a suite of tools like each it's like turning up the page in the book like if you're going to read war and peace and it's this thick <laughs> and every page you think i'm only this far but actually if you just keep turning the pages you'll you know it's it's true for the tech it, every use case is another way that the enterprise is understanding and um doing things before they could do them prior. And then they learn an, another thing and then they put that in and then they turn the page and then somebody else hears about it. And, and then the collaboration grows and it blossoms. So I think it's re that's really important to think about like the specific things that people do. And then yeah. think about those specific things in the broader context of who is affected by the specific things that are done and then what the technology can do and then how it can help solve like a subset of somebody's problems and how many other people are affected in a positive way by that. I love that. I think that's a great way of looking at it. And it is true. We kind of need to get to that tipping point where we have enough users instead of just the early adopters um, you know, who are using technology to say, oh, wouldn't it be great if dot, dot, dot. And then that's how we really start to see, you know, this evolution arc uh, with, with, with the technology. So I'm going to ask you the question that I ask absolutely everyone. Uh, and, and this is just, you know, for you personally. So if you could create your dream, you know, gadget of the future, let's say, you know, 20, 30 years from now, what would it be and what would it do? 
Oh my gosh, that is just such a tough question. Um, my gadget of the future, I would, <laughs> I, I love, um, I love to be out in the natural world. Um, and I love, uh, I love being with um, my family and, you know, all that good stuff. And I, I think a really cool gadget would be really around uh, putting yourself in an immersive environment with um, familiar, um, like all of the senses, like being able to, I don't know what that gadget would um, physically be that I would be in, but uh, the thing I'm getting at is that uh, like spatial sound and smells and uh airflow so i would i would create a gadget that would allow me to get all of the senses of a virtual environment and then uh be able to share that with somebody so we're we're very concentrated on visually uh what we see in immersive spaces and how good it looks but i want all of the senses so that i get the feeling of what it's like to be connected with somebody virtually I love that. So you've got the sights, the sounds, the smells, and actually I just saw that uh, somebody's working on uh, being able to taste in exactly. VR. So, yeah. so they're, we're, they're tackling the senses one at a time. Well, I absolutely love that. And Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with us today. As always, uh, you are filled with insights and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me, Amy. It's always a pleasure to get together and chat. Just feels so natural and time flies. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Okay, bye.